their secret mountain lair somewhere in Colorado, this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Jason O'Dell and Rick Walker. Hey, everyone. Uh, it's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And uh, I don't know what day of the week it is because I just got back from from a trip to London. And so it doesn't matter because people won't be listening on on, listen on today, to, right? What today, is whatever today, today is will, will doesn't be matter. meaningless because you'll be listening. You know, it's like from a now. time warp of some sort, kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> I, I will say that I'm uh, that I had a really great time uh, crossing the Atlantic aboard the Queen Mary Two as an opportunity that I had for part of my travel agency business so that was fun and um i need to not eat for about another week <laughs> so it's i had a lot of you know something about scones with clotted cream is really Ooh, great you know those are good they are very good and um can't can't say no to that um no. enjoyed that got to see a little bit of london and did a little little travel photography even on top of it with my phone of all things so london is such a cool city oh gosh yeah so much to do there keep going back and not see the same two things twice so piece of cake um, yeah very very good thing and yeah. uh, definitely on my list for places to go back with uh, photographers once things uh get into a better rhythm with the international travel stuff getting sorted out for sure yeah i, I certainly enjoyed it when i took people there in 2019 it was it was great so for today our primary topic is going to be the dng format Oh, uh, yes. Digital negative um, right. format. A discussion, if you will. A discussion, of... including some of the the old myths or let's just say overreactions um, that surrounded at some point, how it's really being used today, and just some tips for and what it's good for. And... You know, when it when it can be handy. Um, so that'll be our, our primary topic. And it it is, I think, an interesting one, even if you don't use Adobe products, because as we'll discuss, it show, they show up in other ones in many ways. But before we do that, I'll just mention something quick that I played with while you were gone. And, you, and people can find it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors. And I, I basically tried the new on one resizing program. It's one that you know, it's called Resize AI 2022, I think. So it incorporates AI. Their past resizing stuff was all based on genuine fractals. Mm -hmm. This still has an option for that. The bottom line, but, you know, take a look at what I wrote. I really didn't find it to have an advantage over other programs. It always came in second or third place. And it was, it, it probably just needs more tuning. This is a theme with some of the AI yeah, stuff. Definitely. It's never quite there when it first comes out, seemingly. So lots of weird artifacts, phases, faces getting distorted, any kind of text that was in a shot getting distorted and stuff. And it just never did as good a job as what I could get out of either Topaz Gigapixel. That, that's the one I would recommend as a general purpose one. Or... The, the Adobe Super Res frequently did better than it. Sometimes it does better than Topaz too. It just depends on the image content, mm -hmm. but take a right. peek. And as we're going to discuss, that feeds into one of the um, 
the super res feeds into our little discussion today it about does. dng stuff because there there's some advantages of that um so let's talk about this just a little bit um because the dng format came out a long time ago mm -hmm. and and historically speaking this was um the idea at least the way it was presented at the time was to sort of have a universal raw format right that was kind of where you know adobe was presumably hoping that you know they had this open documented format that people would adopt and in some cases that's happened in other cases that hasn't happened um there was a time when people would freak out about um uh you know should i use this will my manufacturer's raw files suddenly go obsolete right you know would you know things not be able to read them and i think what we can say is in hindsight after you know how long this has been going on almost 20 years now it's not been a major issue there was a few no. a few there, there was a couple there was a couple there was a few notable files that stopped getting some support you know some certain early raw formats i can't remember i think it was a canon one or something i i don't remember but there was something but at one point you know people were doing a lot of hand wringing right i mean it was oh my gosh you better use this or you know your manufacturer's raw format they're going to close it down and if you don't convert your stuff to dng you may never be able to open your images again i think we can put that one to bed right yeah and and you know even at the time going on that was going on it was like well provided this isn't many decades in the future when you're long gone you know and stuff um something was going to change you'd hear about it and then you could just run and you DNG could adapt converter you, on yeah. whatever keepers you had where you wanted a new right. version of the raw file and you could still do that but it's it's honestly not something i worry a whole lot about i just truly don't so when we talk about the dng format today um so there's there's sort of three use cases for it as we've sort of been brainstorming right i mean one would be that first thing we just said would you use you know you, you could just convert your files to dng and have them in that format instead of retaining your manufacturer's raw format um, that's one um, the other one is that it sometimes gets used in software as an intermediary format in fact sometimes it get used behind the scenes with your especially with adobe software where it's doing things and it's using the dng format you just wouldn't even know it you're not converting to dng necessarily but we'll talk about that and then in some instances camera manufacturers actually just use that format right mm -hmm. so there are some some cameras there so um let's start with the first one the the, the historical use you know that idea that you would download your photos or when you're bringing them into say a product like lightroom you you import and, and convert them to dng is that something you do no neither do i <laughs> okay and I in fact i don't really it. know anybody who does i mean I, I i've heard of some people still doing it um you know it's whatever someone wants to do but i've honestly never heard of any great grounds for doing it Right, it's so a bit of hand wringing, or I've been doing it this way for a while, so this is what I do. Right, the, I can't really come up with too many advantages of converting your raw files to the original from the original format to DNG. And there's different ways you can do it. I mean, you do have some options with DNG, like compression, like preview size, 
embedding the original raw file or not shrinking down the dimensions right there's things you can do in certain certain one-off cases um the one the one time where i have used the dng converter to convert files has been when your camera is brand new and maybe the dng converter can read the files with lightroom say hasn't been updated yet so to bring my files into lightroom i converted them to dng and then lightroom could read them through the dng format i could edit them this was a case i think both of us experienced when the d850 first came out right i mean it took a little while for but i haven't seen that problem lately no it's not been a been, thing they've been synchronized so so not a lot of value there um, there, there is a little subcategory there that we should briefly mention, which is if someone is using a very old Adobe product like Lightroom 6 um, or older, you can buy a new camera, convert the images made with that camera to DNGs using the, the free Adobe DNG converter and then use them in that old product. Mm -hmm. You know, personally, God, 10 bucks a month, you get Lightroom yeah, and Photoshop, right, right? And you're not screwing around with this crap or kludging thing. And, just... and you don't have access to all the color profiles that you would get, many right. of which are very nice, quite honestly. And I use those a lot. Um, but it is something that you can do. We'll just throw out the little reminder that Lightroom 6 was released seven years ago oh, man. it's There's, come a long way since then there um, are tremendous features in there now that, so and some man, of these those features are what we're going to talk about next yeah. right i mean those, but, uh, other things that we've discussed too you know there, now, there now, are what a lot if, of new things now, now you had a, an, an interesting use case what if your camera couldn't can't produce a lossless compressed raw file mm -hmm. like what if that was an you know then you might have a, the argument to say i'll save space on my computer by converting my uncompressed raws to a lossless compressed dng when i transport mm -hmm. transfer them over like is the case of, i believe some sony cameras you had said yeah yep some of the older ones so, so there's there's some one-off you know examples where that might be useful right my case and i think for the most part in your cases we're able to shoot a lossless compressed raw file and not losing you know there's not much to gain by converting it to dng no you know one thing that um, people worried about um, I think unnecessarily was separate edit files, you know, the XMP files or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and really wanted the settings embedded inside the, the actual raw file, which you can do with a DNG. If you use Adobe products, only Adobe products do that right now. I don't think any others are interested in doing it. Um, but God, I've never, I've been mm -hmm. doing, you know, shooting with, digital cameras now seriously for 20 years and i've never had an instance of losing my settings file right. it's never never ever right never ever ever okay but, so before we get into the next piece which is where mm -hmm. dng can be leveraged because it is the idea of it's you know sort of a universe you know because it's open it's a universally readable format um we'll mm -hmm. get into the nuance of that what about I want to just jump to the next one because it's a quickie, which is what about cameras that just produce DNG? That's the format that they use. Yeah, there, there are a few brands that will do that. Leica does it, Pentax does it, and Ricoh does it. And of course, Ricoh owns Pentax. I can't remember if there are others. 
Um, but in that case, it's either the only choice you have, or it's a choice between a DNG and a proprietary format. You know, it's just, it's not a big deal. You just use it. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> there are some quirks with them. Like you um, can have the previews embedded in the files update. And certainly you can have the settings and be embedded in them. But really in general, it's just like, okay, that's what my camera produces. It's just a raw file. Right. So, so, right. And so you just use it. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now let's talk about this idea of the, now, the one thing I will thing. say is to make a DNG file, even from a manufacturer work, you have to have a color profile mm-hmm. that corresponds to that camera. Manufacturers will sometimes embed a color profile that works into the actual DNG. You know, the camera will do that. Mm-hmm. So you can use that, but you can have some squirrely things happen sometimes with um, noise parameters, sharpening parameters, if the actual program you're using hasn't been updated. Well, and this is where we get into that gray zone, right? So now DNG is openly readable. They're not readable. just magic. Right. They're openly readable. A lot of products will leverage them in different ways. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but here's the one thing to keep in mind. You know, just because a product can read a DNG format, that's great. That's, you know, it's not necessarily reading what you did to that in another product. <laughs> okay. So if no. you edited your file in, in camera raw, Lightroom, whatever, and you open in that same DNG file in another product, Capture One or what, it's not going to read what you did in Lightroom. There's sliders and stuff that are, they don't translate over. So it would be like opening the raw file just from its native state. Once again, mm-hmm. uh, you can, you're not gaining anything. Um, you, you mentioned embedding embedding settings, and that's that's something to point out. So this is the case where if you do use a product like Camera Raw, you know, Bridge or Lightroom, the default, um, like for something like Lightroom, is that the settings for your images are, are usually written either as XMP sidecar files or they're just written into your catalog. Um, so if you were to export out, you know, in, in this case, your your regular raw file. So in my case, like a NEF or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And send that NEF to somebody that I had edited in Lightroom. Uh, they wouldn't get any adjustments. They wouldn't see it would just be the original raw file. There would be nothing done to it. But if I exported that out from, say, Lightroom in the DNG format, and shared you that file, and you opened it up in Camera or Lightroom, the same product, then you would see all my slider adjustments, and you could use those. And- yeah, and and that's a way I, I know both of us have used it at times, especially working with someone else on post-processing techniques. You can not only ship it out there with the settings all in it, but if you want to reduce the size, you can take the dimensions down, you can press it, you can compress it, you can do lossy compression compression to get it even smaller, and it becomes something that's very easy to email around. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So th- those are some nice things just to be aware of. That doesn't mean you, your normal workflow has to be D and G based to do that. You can just do a one-off. Right. So, so where do we find ourselves using DNGs? So let's go back to the middle question, which where it gets. Um, this is where we really use them. Right. So, so sometimes you're using them when you don't even realize you're using them, depending on the product that you have. 
right? So I know, like, for example, you like to send smart objects to Photoshop from mm -hmm. Lightroom. Uh, that effectively is a DNG, right? It, it, it pops a DNG, I believe, into the Photoshop file. Right. So then you can edit yeah. the, the, the original. So there, there is an example of, of one. Um, some third-party editors can read and save DNGs. Um, certain products can do this. Um, if you send it a raw file, it can save a DNG. You do run into some trickiness though, because that profile thing that you mentioned, right? Not all, not all products use the profiles that from your camera, let's say that you might have access to in a different product. We've, uh, we've run into some companies where plugins will embed a color profile that's fixed. It's and, one that they use and you can't change it. Right. And that can just sort of dork up your picture unless you're really used to using that. On one that. would be an example of that. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't thrilled with, with the no. way that returned. So that, that becomes a problem. But then there's some applications of DNG, and this is particularly true with the, if you are using the Adobe products themselves, in which you can do some pretty great things all of a sudden when you're using camera or, or as we mostly use Lightroom. Um, and that's, that's doing operations like merging files and doing stuff that in the past would have always been, would have required a rasterization or a conversion step into a, a say like a TIFF format. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about HDR. I'm talking about panoramas. And then the third one, we're talking about that giga or that super resolution feature, mm -hmm. um, in which I really, you know, I was when when Lightroom came out with HDR, which was several years ago now, I was a little skeptical about, well, how's that going to work, right? You know, what's, mm -hmm. what's the point of this? Is it any better than my HDR software? And, you know, we've both used the NIC products. We've used Aurora HDR. They're very good, but they require that you rasterize your photos. In other words, you send three or four pictures to that product. Uh, same thing with panoramas you better make sure that you've matched all the adjustments that everything is synchronized. If the white balance or the lens distortion is accidentally turned off on one, you'll get all kinds of dorked up problems. Right. And then the file that you end up with is going to be, you know, at best a layered uh, TIFF, you know, something in Photoshop uh, potentially. And if you, if you need to change sharpening or white balance or any of those features, you got to go back and send it back over to the mm -hmm. processor again. And that, was a paradigm shift when Lightroom came out with HDR and then they added panoramas. And in fact, they've even added HDR panoramas if you're really into that sort of thing. Um, and what it does is it'll merge your files together in Lightroom from the original RAWs and then save them in DNG format. Mm -hmm. And that is huge, in my opinion. Yeah. And Capture One recently added an option. Um, for HDR, I can't remember if they've done panos yet, um, but it, it creates a DNG format as well. And, and one of the nice things is um, because it is, you know, somewhat of a standard, you can actually go back and forth between Capture One and Lightroom with that same format. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of neat. And do edits on, you know, using those tools to the same DNG.
Now you couldn't see those in, across the programs, but you could edit no, no, that no. same file in both programs. Bingo. Yeah, but I'll but I'll take that example of the HDRs or the panos. You know, you've just merged three to three to five, maybe more images together. Um, now what comes out is this raw file. It's a DNG. It's much bigger, of course, because it's got all this extra information in it. But you don't lose your camera profile settings, your lens correction settings. You you can it behaves as just a file that came out of your camera. It just behaves in the same way. You edit it in the normal way. The sharpening you 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 just adjust it, and you can do a lot of your adjustments on that merge file post merge. You don't have to do them up front. You can do the you know you can tweak the white balance. You can tweak the the, the distortion settings. You can crop non distort. You know all of those things. You can just do after the fact and you don't have to worry about it and then when you do send it over to another editor like you know photoshop or something else whatever you've still got the master raw file in your lightroom right or or, or in your computer i should say you know it doesn't have to be in your lightroom and that's cool <laughs> it is cool one thing to be aware of because it shows up with some of the specialized processing whether you're you know using something like dxo to produce a dng that's got noise reduction applied to it and um, lens um, mm -hmm. uh, corrections yeah, lens applied corrections. to it is that a lot of the times you'll end up with what's called a linear DNG. It's a, it's a, a yet another variety of DNG. If you've got not gotten the picture yet, um, there isn't just one DNG format per se. I mean, there are a lot of variations on it. And then with a linear one, it's one that's been demosaic. So it's gone through that whole thing of starting with black and white stuff and the bare stuff and reassembling and interpolating stuff mm -hmm. and everything, but it creates a bigger file. So sometimes what you'll get back is something that isn't comparable to your original raw file or smaller. It's actually many times bigger. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's a linear DNG then it's been demosaiced. So just, just for awareness. But yeah, it's out there. But, That's the way it is. But it's it, not but an it's, error. There's a lot of, you know, so we're not, so to, to, to summarize, yeah, you know, to, to what, what we're doing, neither you nor myself use DNG as our raw format, but we embrace its use in certain circumstances because it gives us some workflow advantages compared to the way we would have done stuff uh, a few years ago with certain things like i know that the panos the hdrs the the super resolution there's another one so when, when smart one previews if you use those at all those are just little dngs that are resized right and and so i am not uh i'm absolutely welcoming of i have no qualms when it, when i do that to save that image in, in because it produces in dng i view that as an advantage i don't however convert all my files to dng there's no advantage of of doing that um you know helicon focus for focus stacking you can actually it'll read dngs and send it back to to lightroom or whatever and then you get a raw focus stacked file which is very cool yeah um, takes a while but but it works but it works it works so there are some programs that that leverage it quite nicely others that they do their own thing so you gotta just be aware of that i think and play around with it so i i don't i think sitting here today 
um, compared to, you know, almost 20 years ago for me, but what, you know, for where, what DNG was uh, sort of touted as early on that never materialized, but the format is extremely useful in this, in these kinds of cases. And so it's, there is a great place for DNG in some of our workflows. It just never replaced our manufacturer's raw file. Like some people were talking about. Right. And I think that, (laughs) <laughs> that's as much I as i want to go into it enough. Yeah. so if you have questions about this um send them to rick because he's the dng <laughs> uh maestro he knows he knows more of the technical nuance but anyway yeah like we said you know drop us a note on our on our facebook page um a- about it so um facebook.com slash image doctors but that's all the time we have for today's episode i will be catching up on my jet lag and we will see you next time All right. Bye-bye.